going to continue the series that we started two weeks ago called The War Room. And uh, my topic today is praying with precision. Uh, last week, Pastor Andrew was uh, talking about, and uh, he had a lot of peas. I thought, I just need to go back to my notes to be able to remember the peas. Otherwise, I would not do uh, justice to his wonderful message. But he spoke about something that I found to be very, very profound. The first point was practical pointers pertaining to praying with power, purpose, passion, and perseverance. <laughs> and the second point was uh, praying with Pentecost power. And uh, amazingly, after, at the end of the service, he was praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We had 18 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And... God, God is so good. God is so amazing. Amen. Amen. So I'm continuing uh, with that series today, The War Room. I thought because Pastor Andrew was so amazingly profound last week that I should lay two or more foundations before we read a biblical narrative, a story in the Bible that will help us understand the, the power of prayer or praying with precision. So today we're going to read a few uh, Bible verses I got a new phone, so I thought I would come to church and show it off. This is the only place really I can show off. So, <laughs> so I thought, hey, instead of using that remote, I'd rather use my phone so that everybody can get to see that I got a new phone. Um, but anyway, let's pray, then we'll read the word. Lord, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being so good. Lord, thank you for pouring out your love in our lives more and more, even as we are worshiping this morning. Lord, thank you that when you send your word forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes everything that you sent it for, and it prospers in all that you purposed it for. So we thank you as we receive your word with gladness this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So I would love for us to start with this foundation one which is Hebrews 11 verse 6. Paul is who is supposed to, well uh, theologians say he's the writer of the book of Hebrews. We assume he's the one that wrote this particular portion of scripture and so Paul is speaking and he's saying this. He's giving a list of all the men and the women of faith who believed God and saw their lives and their generations changed. And Paul gets to verse 6 of chapter 11 and he says this. He says, that, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And Paul uses a very strong language. I believe two words that are so strong. One is impossible and must. He says, it is impossible to please God without faith. And if you come to God, you must believe that he exists. You must believe that he exists. And so, the first foundation for praying with precision is this. First, first foundation for praying with precision is anchored in faith. Paul says, when you come to God, I don't care who you are, whether you are a Jewish rabbi, 
whether you are a street kid, you must believe that God exists. That He exists, that He's there, that He's alive, that He's not silent. That God exists. And the second thing you must believe in is that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Paul is, in other words, saying, I don't really care so much about the experience you've had with prayer. When you come in the presence of God, you must believe that you will not seek him in vain. That, that he earnestly, he would reward you when you earnestly seek him. And that's the first foundation for us to be able to pray with precision is our understanding. That when we come to God, our acknowledgement of his existence and our acknowledgement that he's going to reward us for the things that we are asking for. In another place in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, Paul again is talking and I'll just read the last part. He says that, and everything that does not come from faith is sin, including prayer. That when you want to pray with precision, it is important for you to understand that you must have faith. Primarily faith in two things, in that God exists and God rewards. The second foundation that I would love to lay is found in 1 John. Sorry, I'll go back. It's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. John the apostle of Jesus Christ is saying this primarily to the people who had believed in the word of God. But heresy had invaded the church and people began to doubt God. People began to doubt, should I pray, should I not pray? Does God really hear me when I pray? Am I just making a noise in my room or in my car when I'm praying? Does God really hear me when I pray? And John is addressing these issues and he says this to them. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. John says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That this is the surety, the assurance that we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Now, I'm not an English teacher, but anything means anything. You agree? Anything means your health, your children, your marriage. The Bible says if we ask for anything, you can replace that anything with your situation. He says, if we ask for anything according to his will, we know. He says, the confidence or the assurance we have. I want to give this link for you to understand the power of praying according to the will of God. John says, when we pray according to the will of God, we know. It is in the present tense. He's not saying, we shall know in the future. He's not saying, well, maybe we are in doubt or we are questioning whether or not God hears us. No, he says, we know. It is right now. When I pray according to the will of God right now, I know that God hears me. I am not walking around 
questioning whether or not God heard me. I know that God heard me when I prayed because I prayed according to his will. And he says, if we know that he hears us, then we also know that he answers our prayer. That's what the Bible is saying, that if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know again that we have what we have asked of him. In other words, in our ability to pray according to the word of God guarantees results from God. Praying according to the will of God is surety of the certainty of outcome. That we are certainly going to get the stuff that we have asked God of because we have prayed according to his will. And John is wanting them to understand that when you pray according to the will of God, don't walk around in doubt that God may not have heard you. You must know that God hears you. And when you know that God hears you, you must know that God answers you. And some of you might, even in this season of prayer, feeling so disappointed and hurt with this idea of praying, perhaps because you have been praying for a particular thing for a very long time and you haven't seen the results that you've been expecting to see. And as such, you have become despondent and disappointed in your heart that prayer has become a chore rather than something that you enjoy to do. And John is wanting to remind you and I this morning that when we pray according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. That the prayer that you have prayed according to the will of God, he heard you. And he has answered you. And so, that is the second foundation. Praying with precision is anchored in praying according to the will of God. And oftentimes the question becomes, so what is the will of God? Pastor Andrew spoke last week about the Holy Spirit and Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 talks about how the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf and verse 27 talks about how he makes intercession for us according to the perfect will of God. And so praying according to the will of God first is praying in the Holy Spirit like Pastor Andrew talked about last week. But secondly, praying in, in, in a, a accordance with the will of God is praying the word of God. Now, we, both my wife and I have this habit. When we are praying for something, we look for a scripture to support what we are praying for. So if you are, for instance, you're praying for your brother or sister or someone you know to be saved. Get into the Bible. Find a verse that talks about someone being saved or salvation. And when you find that, then you begin to pray. For instance, when, when you read 1 Corinthians, I think it is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. First or second, don't hold me to it, but the verses and chapters are correct. Chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that through his poverty we can become rich. I know so many people try to say, well, he's not talking about financial wealth. And say, for instance, he's not talking about financial wealth. But he's talking about you being rich in joy, rich in health, rich in peace, rich in all these amazing things. So when you get before the Lord and you want to pray according to his will, what do you do? You get that scripture. 
You say, Lord, according to 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you say that you became poor for my sake so that I can become rich. Therefore, I am praying right now. I am rich in joy. I am rich in happiness. I am rich in health. I continue declaring and praying according to the will of God. And so when you are praying and you want to know that you are praying according to the will of God, find a scripture that supports what you're praying for. Because once you've found it, you are really praying according to the will of God. And so today I want to read a story of a man that I believe is going to serve as a basis for someone in the Bible who prayed this way and God heard them and the result of their life. I love Bible stories, you may have noticed, because I feel like they're people like you and I, and it's easier to relate to them rather than giving some um, very elevated theological um, explanations of certain things. Stories tell stories better. Amen. And so there's a, there's a man in the Bible that we're going to read about in a moment. But before that, I thought I would give a definition because you, you hear people talk about well, how about Matthew chapter 6 where the Bible says, well, even before you open your mouth, God knows what you are already going to ask about. So don't pray like the hypocrites and just, just say a few words and God knows already what you want. That is a completely different context and I don't have time for us to go into that context. But I want to give you examples of people who have prayed, including Jesus Christ himself. And so this is the definition first in terms of praying more. That I thought is important for us to understand that although prayer is not a way to manipulate the hand of God and twisting it in your direction, prayer gives God permission to intervene in your affairs and to override the laws of nature and establish his will in your life. That, that when you pray, you are not, it's not as though God is sitting on his throne having all these amazing angels and these heavenly beings going around and worshiping him and he has forgotten about you and the moment you start to pray then goes oh my oh, by the way that guy is calling on my name now i angels stop worshiping me right now i just need to attend to that no god is actively working in your life every day every minute of the day every second god is working in your life but when you pray you give him permission to work in your life and to override the laws of nature because he created see in john in, in john 11 when i think it is john 11 when lazarus was jesus came to the 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 family of lazarus and lazarus was already in the tomb dead in fact the family of lazarus besought jesus and told him and said jesus Listen, if you had been here earlier, this man would have lived, but he's been dead for a while. His body has decomposed. There's no way that he can come out of that. As long as Jesus stood there and talking to these guys, nothing happened. But the moment Jesus prayed and invited God to intervene and override the laws of nature, nature said he was ill and he died. But the supernatural invaded the natural, that the life that was impossible in the natural became possible because God was given permission to intervene in the affairs of man and established his will. And so do not feel guilty when you are praying for something. Just remember that you are inviting God to come into that place and establish his will. You are not manipulating God to change things for you. You are giving him permission and authority to come and act in your situation. 
Amen. Also, so here is the story. It's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It is a short story in the Bible, and the Bible doesn't really give us so much about this family except for these few verses. And the Bible says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the name of Israel, on the name of the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. A story where we're not given so much about Jabez's father. There's, a, there's mention of Jabez's brothers, but their names are not given either. His mother was in pain. Now, we don't know what kind of pain she was in. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But it must have been... So much that she would name her child pain to remind her of her pain. It must have been such perhaps a terrible pain that she wanted a reminder to be constantly reminded of the things that she has experienced. Maybe let me pause here and talk about when you name your children. And although this is not a message on naming your children. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> says, don't call them funny names. Um, they're not funny sometimes. <laughs> when you name your children, you are giving them an identity that is prophetic. And when you speak that prophetic identity, remember that name, they are going to be called by that name for the rest of their lives. For instance, if your name is stupid, every time you go, you hear the name stupid, you have to turn back and watch who's calling you because your name is stupid. So it speaks of prophetic identity on your children or on yourself. And it's important that if you have a name that is not consistent with the plan of God for your life and it's on your ID, you can keep it there, but change it. Just naturally, how people call you if you don't want to go through the trouble of the home affairs to change your, your name on your ID. But it's important that the name that you are called by is a reflection of the destiny that God has on your life. And so this man is called Jabez, but he had nothing to do with this name. It was the pain of his mother that was almost put on him for him to grow up with the pain he didn't choose to be in. And he got to a place where he just was so tired of living an identity that he had nothing to do with. He got so tired that he constantly found himself living in a life that somebody else determined for him. I didn't choose this name. I didn't choose to be in this kind of pain. But my mother was going through an experience and because of her experience she chose to give me this kind of environment for me to live in. I wonder how many of us might find ourselves in the situation of Jabez where we are living lives that 
perhaps we had nothing to do with, but we have settled in them just because somebody else decided we should live like that. Maybe it's you didn't grow up with a father or you, you, you were born out of wedlock or you, whatever your circumstance is, that you have decided to live in that particular identity and label that has been given to you instead of seeking for the will of God for your life. And Jabez gets to a place where he's so tired of living a life he didn't decide to live. Somebody else decided for him to live that life for him. And so he begins to cry out to God. He begins to pray to God and say, God, do the following for me. And at the end of the story, the Bible says that God granted him his request. I want to give us three points that I think Jabez did very, very well that we can learn from. One is in prayer, Jabez showed discontentment for his condition. He showed discontentment for his condition. He said, I am tired. And I am tired of living this kind of life. I'm tired of always being in pain. I'm tired of always being anxious. I'm tired of always being afraid because of somebody else's choices and decisions. God, would you change this situation for me? I want to say these things and I ask the Holy Spirit for permission to say them. I've met a few people as a pastor and my Christian walk where someone is on chronic medication, for instance. And they have settled to take that medication for the rest of their lives. Now, I have nothing wrong against taking medication. Don't misunderstand me. There's a difference between nursing a condition and settling in the condition. I take medication and I have no problem with it. But if you settle and say, for the rest of my life, I am going to take chronic medication until I die. I think you reduce your ability to believe God to heal you. Because in your heart and mind, you have settled and your faith to believe God for a change of condition becomes almost impossible because your heart has settled in taking chronic medication for the rest of your life. And don't leave the church here and don't take your medication. I am saying, <laughs> you can nurse your condition, but don't settle for it. Even as you continue to take medication, keep crying out to God for your healing. Even as you continue to see your specialists, your doctors, keep crying out to God for your healing. Do not settle in that situation. And so Jabez showed discontentment for being in that condition. The second thing he did that I think we can learn from is that he realized that God can change his condition. He just thought, I've tried to do things by myself. Maybe I've seen great therapists and they haven't been able to help me. But I know someone that there is a God who can change the course of my life. That there is a God who can change the narrative of my life. There is a God who can change the story of my life. He begins to cry out to God and say, God, would you change my situation? 
I don't know how impossible your situation is. I don't know how hard your situation sounds. Maybe you've been told so many times that nothing will ever happen to you until you die. Or maybe you've been told so many times that this is a terminal illness and you will never be healed. Maybe you've been told, well, your chances of doing this and that are very, very slim. Maybe you've been told whatever story you have heard, whatever is the story of your life, there is a God who can change the course of your life. And Jabez realized that, hey, I need to cry out to God because he's the only one who has the power to change the course of my life. He realized that God can change the course of his life. And the third lesson that I think we can learn from Jabez is that he refused to allow the pain he didn't choose to determine the life he chooses to live. He refused to allow the pain he didn't choose. Have you been in a place where you are living in someone else's choices? Maybe it's your depressive choices, the choices that you made in your life when your life was not so great. You were depressed, you were anxious, and you made some decisions. And you have come to a place in your life where you have decided to live in those choices, although you didn't make them in the right state of mind. Maybe it was in your divorced self where you are divorced and in pain and still dealing with the sense of how am I going to raise these children by myself or how am I going to love again or do this again. And you made some decisions and you found yourself living in those decisions. Today, he refused to allow the pain that he didn't choose to determine the life that he chooses to live. He understood that, hey, I have a choice right now to live a life that God has prepared for me instead of continuing to live the choices of my mistakes. Because there are times in your life where you may have made decisions that you knew in your heart that went consistent with the plan and the will of God for your life, but you made them. But right now you have come to a place where you are forced to live in those decisions, but he made a decision to refuse to continue to live in those decisions. I don't know how his mother would have felt for him to change his name. I don't know the stories that his mother told him that gave that name so much affection and love that he may have been married to that name for a very long time in his life. I don't know how romantic your situation might sound, but if it is a situation of pain, there's no romance about it. God has a better life for you, but in prayer, you've got to refuse to continue living the life of pain that God didn't design for you and begin to pursue the life of joy that God designed for you. And so he refused to do that. I want to close with this. Mark 11, 24, the Bible says, whatever we ask when we pray, believe that you have it and you shall receive it. Whatever we ask when we pray, believe that you have it and it shall be yours. When do we receive? The Bible says when we pray. Whatever you ask, when you pray, believe that you have received it. 
I want us to walk out of this place today that however hard your condition is, however hard your situation, oh, the thing you're trusting God for, the prosperity of your business, the growth of your family, or the joy of your family, or the salvation of your friends, whatever you're trusting God for, I want you to walk out of this place today knowing that God is able to change, to bless, to reward, because those who earnestly seek Him, He rewards them. Please rest, stand to our feet. God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. We don't have so much time to pray today because we have to do something, another exciting thing in the service just now. But as you go home, remember that your faith is critical to seeing the results that you're desiring. So Father, I pray for us today in Jesus' name. Like Jabez, grant us our request. Show us mercy and give us grace. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much, family.